The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. Welcome to Camp Creep, a podcast focusing on anthology horror, starting with Tales from the Crypt. Hi, I'm your least favorite camp counselor, Tish Delano. And I'm the other one, Lauren Jewell. Woo, and welcome to the season finale of season two. Season two, Electric Boogaloo. We were successful. We did this during questionable times of the year. Yeah. I don't know what I meant by questionable times of the year, but here we are. I mean, pandemic, job changes. So many. A road trip. Road trip, broken bones. It's just, it's (laughs) been a long season. Yes. (laughs) But we're here now. We are. And I'll be honest, I thought, for some reason in my head, I thought it was going to take us longer to get through, like, season two. I don't know why. Well, don't worry, because... There's only 14 episodes, I think. I noticed that. Yeah, that season three is shorter. That's fine. Yeah. There's an episode in season three that I hate (laughs) so much, and I'm not excited for it. But we shall overcome. (laughs) We also had mystery cookies on our counter. What? So I thought that Steven must have, like, traded with somebody with the cookies that I made, because there were cookies in a Tupperware container that's not ours. Like, we don't own a Tupperware container like this. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of like little round one that you put like super hummus or something in and so i just assumed like oh he must have traded with somebody so i mentioned to him i was like i opened it up and i smelled them i was like well these smell like normal and not like they're full of the devil's lettuce and i was like where did where did you get these cookies like who made them and he stared at me and goes i thought you made them i was like no I, mean, I was like these look nothing like the cookies i made they smell nothing like the cookies i made and he's like yeah but i just thought like you made them or you picked them up somewhere i was like no i was like seriously where very funny Where'd you get the cookies? He's like, again, I didn't bring home any cookies. Those aren't mine. I thought they were yours. I was like, they're not mine. He's like, well, they're not mine. I'm like, then where'd they come from? He's like, I don't know. Where'd you get them from? I was like, I didn't bring them in the house. So we have no idea where these cookies are. Now, no one wants to eat the mystery cookies. Like, not a clue. I Neither one of us have any recollection of where these cookies came from. I have some theories. Sure, yeah. Theory number one, Troy. Maybe, but he... I I will message him, but you would think he would have said something. I mean, yeah. Like, I'm leaving you some cookies. I have no idea where they came from. (laughs) Part two. Well, your old house was definitely haunted, so maybe you brought something a little extra to this one. Right? Except the old ghost would do things like hide my car keys in random containers around the house, or... That sounds more like a fairy. Or uh, put the rice in the oven so that when I preheat the oven, the box of rice explodes. Explodes and rice comes pouring out of my oven. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's mischievous. Um, and now we just have random cookies that we don't know where they came from. So that's neat. They've been there for like a couple days and I just never thought to ask. I really want to eat these mystery cookies. Well, if you die, um, then we'll know. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, well, apparently my neighbor that hates me broke in and left cookies on the counter. <laughs> Surprise! Meanwhile, my other neighbor who loves me, very excited that we are wrapping up season two. Yay! So, shout out to Banana. Oh, I love Banana. Yeah, that's not my neighbor's name, that's his dog's (laughs) name. But I never asked if I could say his name on the show, so... I'll just use his dog's name. Speaking of secret names, yeah. we also have to shout out Baberham. 
Oh, that's right. Babraham. Thank you to Babraham Lincoln. We tried to do administrative stuff last night because we try to make time. You know, this is a job. And so we try to schedule administrative time. And my laptop went... And I was like, that's cool. I don't have money to get this fixed, um, nor do I have money to buy windows to like reinstall to do the things that need to be done. And he took care of it all. So thank you very much, Abraham Lincoln. I appreciate you. Well, Camp Counselor Tish. Yes, Camp Counselor Lord. Do you want to go take a look-see at that bulletin board? Yes, I only have one item on today's bulletin board. What is it? Just a little heads up that there's a little bit of light child abuse in this episode for any campers who might be sensitive to that. So if you are watching alone at home, just a heads up. Are you ready to go creeping through that crypt? I'm ready to go creeping through the crypt if you are ready for a creeperosity. I am always ready for a creeperosity. Excellent. Well, this is probably not quite the creeperosity you were expecting, so I'm going to do a twofer. Part one. In this episode, there is a dog. This dog's name is Lilitu, and I thought the name sounded familiar, so I did a quick Google, and I was correct. It is another name for Lilith, who was Adam's first wife and also the first vampire. And fun fact, one time I wrote an article about her on a vampire website that never got published because they didn't like how I wrote it, and that's totally fair. Aww. I had too much humor in my tone, and I was like, I don't know what else you expected from me. Right? I write how I speak. Uh, There is also a game called Forgotten Realms, and I guess she's a succubus, and I thought that was pretty cool. And Creeperosity Part 2 is more of a opinion. Okay. Camp Counselor Tish? Yeah? What would you rather be, a vampire or a werewolf? Um, I mean, so I have ovaries. And a uterus. <laughs> so things already happen to my body that are pretty painful and totally out of my control. Lots of carnage. I think I would just rather be a vampire. Same. <laughs> just get it over with. <laughs> Seconding, would much rather be a vampire. I think it would be easier in the long run. I already don't like going outside during the daytime. Right. So this is fine. I'm an insomniac. I work from home. Yeah. Don't have to worry about really anything at that point. Just get better window coverings. I have discovered that I can nap pretty comfortably in a closed coffin. So there's that. I love that you know that about yourself. I have done it twice. (laughs) We'll come back to that later. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something for... uh, That's a bonus episode situation. This is season two, episode 18, The Secret. And this is your synopsis. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is based off of the 24th issue of the Haunt of Fear comic. Orphan Theodore has never had a family of his own. His parents having died when he was very young and growing up at Miss Hagstead's orphanage for boys. But one night, everything changes when the Colbert family decides to adopt him. Everything is suddenly amazing for Theodore. He has toys, he can eat whatever his heart desires, and now he has parents! Just ignore the fact that they only visit him at night and keep him locked up in his room. Shenanigans in soup, and everybody gets what they deserve. Alright, so we open this episode on the Crypt Keeper reading himself a bedtime story. How presh, how presh. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's reading Oliver Twist, and good lord, I did not know someone could make so many Charles Dickinson puns. I don't know why you're surprised. I, I don't know why I'm surprised. <laughs> I just wasn't, I was expecting, like, twisty puns. Well, he was upset that Oliver is, in fact, not twisted. 
Yes, but also he had quite great expectations. Oh! And then we get into the episode and we come up on Gaines Orphanage. It's a dark and stormy night and there's a green glow on the orphanage. Oh, is it Netherworld Green Glow? Yes, I I wrote in my notes. I was like, what the heck did Lauren call it? Yes. There's (laughs) Netherworld Green. There's a bizarre, like, Netherworld Green light that is uh, just off screen that is just making part of the house glow netherworld green this episode really takes some drastic editing choices when it comes to colors yeah not all of them are great but we'll get to that later as someone that edits video and film i have some critiques there for some of the editing choices here but we'll get to that so we see a small pair of feet creeping down the stairs and it's theodore a precocious little orphan wearing jammies and a raccoon skin cap he's quite a little scoundrel that he is lovable little scamp (laughs) there are two ladies who are miss hagstad and miss heather talking and we hear the older one complaining that some of the children have to be watched super closely every day and she's not thrilled she does not like children i think she is in the wrong type of work yeah you'll see why uh i just started calling miss hagstead miss hag that's valid uh, as fuck yeah so theo sneaks past their heated conversation into the kitchen for a midnight snack He manages to clean a drumstick perfectly clean. Oh, my Italian grandmother is so happy right now. (laughs) Like, that's exactly how you're supposed to eat chicken wings. Clean it straight off the bone. Oh, but there's so much like, there's the rubbery, nope, I can't do it. Your your grandmother would be very upset watching me eat chicken on the bone. (laughs) Theodore takes an apple to go and he's about to leave, but he is very nosy. And you know, I don't really blame him. I'd probably do the same damn thing, especially if I picked up that they were talking about me. So Theodore hears Miss Hagstead and Miss Heather talking about him. And Hagstead is a little worried since he is a little on the older side and has yet to be adopted. Yes. And just heads up, Miss Hagstead and Miss Heather are throwing off total good cop, bad cop vibes. Miss Hag being the bad cop, obviously. (laughs) Miss Hagstead says it's their job to protect the little ragamuffin muffins from becoming delinquents. And boy, she has many concerns about Theodore becoming a juvenile delinquent. Miss Hagstead is a grumpy old lady, and when Heather asks her about Theodore's biological parents, she gets very defensive and angry, saying that they must never talk about his real parents. Or his quote-unquote behavioral problems. Hmm. Theodore drops the ball, I mean apple, and gets caught. The apple rolls away from him and hits Miss Hag right on the ankle. And boy, that hag is quite observant. Her eagle eyes immediately spot him and she accuses of spying on them. But he says he was just hungry. I mean, he was also spying on them, though, at the end. (laughs) Yes, yes. So then she accuses him of stealing food from the other children. I kind of get the feeling, based on what crabby old hag this wench is, that she's probably feeding him 
him the same portions as the younger children. Yeah, no. So Theo is like 10, 11 years old. He is definitely a growing boy. Needs a little bit more snacks in his life. We're all about the snacks here at Camp Creep. We have a good mess hall. We do. So yeah, I definitely feel like Miss Hagstead probably is intentionally underfeeding him to keep him small so she can get him the hell out of her orphanage. By the way, that's abuse, Miss Hag. That would be child abuse. Surprise! You're not a good person. No. Hexa tells Heather to make sure he doesn't leave his room again and gives her a silver key to make sure he's all nice and locked up. And I gotta say, Miss Heather, despite the fact that poor gal has no backbone and cannot stand up to Miss Hag, which, granted, you know, we've all had to go along with the terrible boss. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, you know, capitalism and you need a job. But Miss Heather handles it as well as she can when he starts talking about food and why does he have to be locked in his room? She redirects him. Think about breakfast. You saying that just reminded me of something. Yeah? Miss Heather is Miss Honey from Matilda. You haven't seen Matilda? No! If you found a movie you haven't seen! When Matilda became popular, I was a little too old. So, (sighs) yeah, it was, I I missed out on that one. I was was a little too, I was out of the age range. Alright, well, to all the other campers, Miss Heather is essentially Miss Honey. Good talk. So we cut to the next morning and Miss Heather runs to Miss Hag because Theo isn't in his room and the window is open. Yeah, Miss Hag says basically just like, "Mm, nah, no big deal. Doesn't matter. He'll come back. Yep. She said, it's all right. Theo has tantrums and likes to leave in the middle of the night and he'll come back eventually. Yeah. He'll come back in a few hours. Uh, so we can add child neglect to Miss Hag's list of charges against her. Who do you think is worse? Miss Hag? Hagstead or what's her face from Annie? Yeah, I'm not. I no. <laughs> I as I'm a bad musical theater kid because I I swear I probably did watch Annie when I was a kid because that version from the 80s was really big when I was growing up, but I did not like it. There was something about Annie herself that really rubbed me the wrong way. Huh. And then there was that weird cartoon with the Annie with like the dead eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe. Where, like, they made her eyes look weird, and that always bugged me, so, yeah, I'm not- I mean, I know a couple songs from it because you can't be a theater kid, but really don't know. Well, we're gonna say she's equal to greater. <laughs> there we go. On, on par, on par. Yes. In that case. Oh, so I have a question here for you. hmm Did you ever try to run away from home when you were little? Kinda. <laughs> yes. Never successfully, but, like, always planned it. I have a very vivid memory of we were staying with my aunt. I don't know, I don't know what my mom did to upset me, but she upset me, and I was like, well, then I'm gonna have to run away from home. She's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) And I remember packing a bag, and I don't remember what I packed in there, probably toys. I do remember grabbing some toilet paper. I don't know if it's because I wanted to be able to blow my nose because I was crying, or I actually thought ahead. And I remember... I made it out the front door when my mom realized, oh my god, she's serious. Oh, <laughs> oh like, no. And my mom came and dragged me back in the house and said, what the hell do you think you're doing? Absolutely not. And like locked the door. <laughs> yeah, my mom, yeah. I was the, I'm the oldest, so my mom, you know, really didn't have much experience with kids. 
I, she definitely underestimated underestimated me. <laughs> oh dear. So I've always been a, a planner type yeah. of person. So I remember being a little on the older side. My mom was still alive, so I was under sixteen years old. But I feel like in my early stages of high school, especially, I would go on a lot of walks because of where we lived, and I would always cut across the street and go walking throughout the subdivision over there. And like, I knew a handful of people that lived there. Uh I also knew the area pretty well. So there were probably a few times where I was like, I could just keep walking. I wouldn't have to hear anybody call me fat again. This is getting dark. Let's let's move on. (laughs) Moving on. So suddenly the front door opens and there is a muddy little Theo on the porch. He looks so tired and precious, though. I'd adopt him. I know, poor baby. So Miss Hag orders him to go change and get to work in the kitchen, helping out little Joey with the dishes. So I find it really, like, WTF that Mrs. Hag did not, like, where were you? Where have you been? And just add it to the stack of charges against her that Miss Hag was not like, where did you go? Where have you been? Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Come from? <laughs> Cotton oh, God, I want to say, like, is this going where I think it's going? And it yeah. did. Yeah, sorry. Bless you. <laughs> I, had to, I had to get that joke in there. That is uh, fine. So. Well, speaking of jokes. Joey has a joke for us. So, Camp Counselor Tish. Yes, Camp Counselor Lauren. What is the difference between boogers and broccoli? I don't know. Kids don't eat broccoli. Hey-o! Uh, Joey, you are a precious, <laughs> precious child. He was super stinking cute. A, l- a cute little nugget of a kid. <laughs> so, they're washing the dishes and Miss... Heather interrupts him and dismisses Joey, all to let Theo know that he's got some potential parents coming by that evening, and she wants him to make a good impression. I think Miss Hagstead just wants this thorn out of her side, where Miss Heather really, I think, still has the stars in her eyes, and she just wants all the kids to be adopted by good families and to go live their best lives. Well, Miss Heather, we can't always get what we ask for now, can we? In the next scene, all the boys are lined up with Theo up front. The couple that is there to meet Theo are very fancy. The wife has on a hat. She's got furs and basically is a little bit of like Corella DeVille happening. I said that too. <laughs> like as a whole, their vibe is very Corella DeVille, but it doesn't help that she looks like Corella DeVille. I think it's the red. I think it was just that particular shade of like red coat she was yeah. wearing that had that vibe. And the polka dots. The polka dots around the black and white polka dots on her sleeves on the cuffs yeah the costuming department knew what they were doing yes and then there's mr colbert and he's just kind of there he's got a pipe i think yeah that kind of describes him throughout this entire episode is he's just kind of there yeah <laughs> he doesn't really say much he doesn't do much heavy lifting in this episode no he's just i guess eye candy for the missus Sure. Live your life, ma'am. Live your life. So the Colberts decide that Theo is the perfect child for them, and the other children are immediately dismissed. Theo is still not exactly happy about the situation. He doesn't really want to go, and Hagstead insists that he help her in the kitchen to make tea. Oh, oh, that is not tea. No, no. The Colberts seem to be quite understanding that 
you know, he's scared to leave what has probably been his home for most of his life. But then they remind him that he's going to be going to live in a mansion with his own bathroom and towels that have his initials on them. And I just want to say this. Mm -hmm. If we have any rich campers out there, if you can promise me my own bathroom... I am open to being adopted. I will <laughs> I will never speak to my parents ever again because sharing a bathroom is the worst. And I only share it with one boy. I can't imagine a whole household full of boys. It sounds very sticky and I do not like it. <laughs> and it gets real gross. sticky. Yeah, yeah. Well, you share, you, when you had a boy roommate, did you guys have one bathroom or two? Yeah, when I lived with my one dude friend, it was a small bathroom. It wasn't great. Oh. We made it work. Yep. It helped that we had very opposite schedules. Yeah. I mean, because it seems to be a pretty universal thing that, like, if you are born with a penis, that it takes you about an hour to poop. And how does that work with a household full of boys? I mean, does that not start till a certain age? <laughs> if you have your own penis... And you would like to write in and give us some insights on this whole pooping schedule thing, I would greatly appreciate it. Or, or campers, here's a little announcement. We have a phone number. Yeah. <laughs> you can call in and tell us. We forgot to mention this like a couple of weeks ago when we made it. Yes, I, for, I, I totally forgot we made it because we're like, oh, you know, like another podcast we listen to, Beer with Buffy. They have a phone number and every once in a while somebody will call in and leave a nice rambly, sometimes drunk message for them. And I was like, that would be fun. Let's try it. I think I've at least left them two to three not sober messages. You know, it's in the spirit of their show. Oh, I am totally going to imbibe in some cookies, very special cookies, and then I am leaving them a message <laughs> to let them know what I think about the fact that they couldn't remember who's the least favorite camp counselor. Do you hear that, Josh and Rex? She is the least favorite. There's a reason I'm the least favorite, and I'm sure you can tell right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the other one because I'm just fucking here. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. And we're back. All right. So, Miss Hag drags him into the, I'm assuming, dining room, and she shakes him, like grabs him by the shoulders and starts violently shaking him. It is a really cool shot, though, on camera. It is. It, yeah, yeah. It, they do, like, a first person's from his point of view. That is one of the cinematography things I like in this episode. And I did look into it because I was like, that feels very abusive to me. The cutoff for shaken baby syndrome is age five. Typically, they don't see cases after age two, but it can occur up to age five. So just a heads up for campers with small children. Just don't shake. Don't shake your children. <laughs> don't. Don't shake the baby. You shake and bake your food, yes. not your baby. Anyway, shake and baby syndrome is one of the reasons why I do not want to reproduce because I'm scared of accidentally dropping a small child and I'm not going to shake a baby. I live in fear of like, can you bounce a baby too hard? Like babies just seem like... They're scary. They're like Fabergé eggs, man. They're like <laughs> delicate and really expensive. They're like Fabergé eggs that scream. And they, I mean, they're really cute to look at. But good God, I'm always terrified when I'm handling one. Not that I've ever handled a Fabergé egg. I just know they're really expensive. While they're in the kitchen, Theo asks Hagstead, aka Hag, about his real parents. And one more time, she gets a little panicky for a moment before telling him absolutely nothing helpful, except that they died when he was a babay. And she almost gets 
sweet here. Like she, her whole demeanor changes. And I was like, listen, if I didn't know you were a bitch of a hag who <laughs> just wants to unload this child, I would think you were actually happy for him to be going to a new home. But instead, you're just happy to unloaded another mouth to feed. And she says, listen, I know the Colberts are eccentric, but they'll provide you a good home. And she almost sounds convincing. Almost. She was so close. So close. So then we are outside and everybody is saying goodbye and everything is blue. So blue. It is the same blue of Camp Counselor Tish's eyeshadow right now. Yeah. Which you can't see, but we'll, we'll take a picture. It's fine. That is one of the editing things that I absolutely hate. In order to convey nighttime, instead of shooting when it's a little overcast and maybe lowering the exposure, they slap a almost neon blue filter over the footage and call it good. I was calling that cobalt. Yeah, yeah, cobalt. That, yeah, like, it's infuriating and it happens multiple times throughout this episode. If there's any potential filmmaker campers out there, there are better ways. Like, <laughs> I don't know if they just didn't have the lighting equipment. I didn't, I don't know if they just didn't have the budget for a good low light camera or something, but there are better ways to do this. This show was on HB fucking O. They could have afforded anything. Right. They really wanted it. Anyways... Now that they're at the Colbert Mansion, Theo is very impressed and says that their house is like a museum, and it's really pretty. It is very pretty. Yes, I will give them that. I would also be terrified to touch anything, but there's this lovely staircase and the family plus their butlery dude, who we haven't necessarily met yet, kind of standing all together just watching Theo. And as Theo is about to, like, touch this vase, vase, depending on how fancy you want to be, there is a dog that growls at him. And that's Lilitu. Nothing says this home is child-friendly, like a bunch of super breakable antiques and a child-eating dog. And I do want to note, this dog is a Rottweiler. And I love I, you. <laughs> and, which I think they're very, very cute. And I actually did a documentary once on a charity that works to remove the stigma of bully breeds. So I just wanted to look it up really quick to get a little stats and stuff. And what I found, rather than give you numbers, just give you this little amalgamation of what I read. Rotties? can be very kind and loving dogs, great with children, but they're like any other dog. If they're not trained, or worse, if they're trained to be violent, if they're neglected, starved, or abused, they can be dangerous. That is the case with any dog. It's just, we hear about it more with Rotties because they're so big, so if they attack somebody, you, you, you're you probably going to be in the past tense. <laughs> so the Colberts go to show Theo his new bedroom, and it really has everything a kid could possibly ever want. Right? There's like a fully functioning giant train set. We have a life-size stuffed St. Bernard. They're also so cute. There's like a T-Rex that it kind of looks like it's like a rocking horse, but I can't tell. It looks like it's meant to be climbed on though and sat yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds of toys. And Lauren, you had an interesting on-the-spot theory when we were watching this together. And I pointed out how, like, I was like, it's kind of weird that they went balls to the wall for this kid. Yes. So here's my theory for you campers. I think that they buy a new toy for every child they adopt. Now, we haven't quite gotten to the plot twist of this episode, so right now this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and that's okay, but it's gonna make sense later. Yeah. So they dump him in his bedroom, and then they close the door and lock it. That's normal. That, yeah, that seems like, um, that seems like normal parenting. 
Don't know what to do with the child? Throw it in a room and lock the door and walk away. Right. I did have a note that says, I find it hilarious that the violent dog is allowed to roam freely through the home, but they lock the child up. (laughs) They crate the kid and let the dog roam free. Which, you know, campers, if I ever come over to your house, feel free to crate your kid, but let the dog roam free. I'm fine with this. I'm fine with this. Oh, we're never going to be invited to our friend's house with children. (laughs) No, that's fine. Mm -hmm. When Theo rushes to the door, he looks through the keyhole trying to talk to the Colberts, and it gets ruined when the dog jumps up and barks in his face. And I kind of like this brief moment of like fourth wall breaking because Theo looks up kind of at the camera and he's like, what did they tell them at the orphanage? Yeah, yeah. He, he, so he's thinking the gar- the dog is there to like guard the door and keep him in there, which I mean, kind of is, but we'll get to that in a minute. I did have a note of <laughs> I was like, hmm, if Miss Hag were being totally honest, what would she have told the Colberts about poor little Theo? My best guess would be, well, the little punk is a snoop. He asks a lot of questions. He's gonna eat you out of house and home. And oh, by the way, he likes to sneak out of his house at night. Good luck, Godspeed. (laughs) And fare thee well. Yes. Just my best guess. (laughs) In the morning, Tobias, who is that servant we didn't actually meet earlier, is there with breakfast of a fancy-ass looking cake and other sugary treats. Theo asks him for a glass of milk, and Tobias raises it to a milkshake. Where can we get a Tobias? Right? I would love a milkshake on demand. I would love to be have dessert catered to me in bed. I'm down for this. But I'm pretty sure pumping a child full of sugar. Again, not using those good parenting skills. Also, are they trying to plump this kid up like the evil witch and Hansel and Gretel? Like, this episode has so many, like, grim fairy tales attached to it, and I can't keep track anymore. Right, right. So, Theo asks, Hey, Tobias, why are there bars on the windows? Solid question, Theo. Tobias reassures him, it's for security purposes. The Colberts collect a lot of antiques. Don't worry about it, kid. Yeah, yeah, he should be worrying about it. Oh, yes. Throughout the next few parts is a day in the life of Theo, and it's like this montage of him playing and eating a lot of treats, and it makes my stomach hurt, but I also did order us a dessert that we ate before recording, so I feel like we got a nice little sugary buzz happening ourselves. Also, like, that's all this child eats is cake, sugar, candy, That's it while he's there. And we don't know how long by the end. We have no idea how long he's been there. But I'm like, they're going to give this child scurvy. (laughs) Seriously. Unless there's maybe an orange slice hidden somewhere, you know, in one of these desserts. Like, he was getting some dairy. Right? At least his bones will be strong. I mean, which is, you know, probably going to be the one thing going for him when he gets diabetes and has high blood sugar and all of his teeth rot out of his mouth. Like, good lord. For reals. For reals. So eventually you can see the loneliness set in because this kid is alone with only Tobias popping in to give him food. And by food, like I said, I mean candy and dessert and stuff. And you can see he's definitely getting burnt out on the dessert. Too much of a good thing. You can't always have your cake and eat it too. Yes. So they say. 
So later, the family goes on an evening stroll in the yard, and Theo is very polite, asking why they don't go out and do things as a family, like go to the movies. However, everything is blue again. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know how we can tell it's night? Because everything is blue. Like, think blue man group. It's obnoxious. And you can tell it's super sunny. Yeah. I have a story for you about the blue man group. Oh boy. Okay, yeah. So, one time, I was helping my brother make a cake for his friend's birthday. Uh Uh-huh. He wanted blue icing. So, I was helping with the icing part by adding blue food coloring. Uh Uh-huh. Got it on my hands. It was there. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go wash my hands. Wash my hands. It spread. It didn't go away. I started freaking out. And my brother looks at me and he says, well, Lauren, did you think that the blue men group paint themselves every day? No, they got blue food coloring on them and that's how they're blue. That's not a suit or anything. I was way too old to believe him. (laughs) And yet I called my mother at work crying and I can hear her just getting so fucking annoyed at me. And she says, give the phone to your brother. (laughs) And then I can hear her yelling at him. Oh, So for a minute, I thought I was going to turn into a blue man group person. I mean, valid fear. Right! So the Colberts don't actually give him an answer about why they can't ever go to the movies, go roller skating, go to a ball game or whatever. They just say, oh, well, we have to work tomorrow. That's it. That's all they say. And when he complains about why does he need to stay in his room, locked in his room all the time? Yeah, we just don't want you to get lost in the woods. That's all. And about how Tobias is far too old to be chasing him around. Kind of. I mean, that is kind of a valid response because I'm sure you have also been around children. Yes. I used to technically teach kindergarten yes. even. It was a bad time. Yes. You know that with some kids, you blink and they're suddenly five city blocks away from you. And you're like, <laughs> How did you do that? What did I black out? So that's a little valid, but still their answers are very, very, very sus and they don't actually answer any of his questions. For sure. The parents do say that they have something very special in the works for him, but they can't tell him what it is because it's a secret. They said the name of the episode. Yes, the secret. And boy, Theo sure does hate secrets. And then before that scene is over, the camera kind of pauses on Tobias's face and he looks a little upset about something. Yes. The next day at lunchtime, Tobias comes in with food for him. And today he is having strawberry shortcake and a sundae with extra syrup. Oh, God, that's too much. Mm-hmm. Tobias is about to leave the room when Theo asks him to come visit again later before supper. And he agrees that maybe they can play cards or something. You can hear the loneliness. Yeah, so Tobias agrees. And that night, Theo and Tobias play old maid together. How fresh. Theo has a lot of flashbacks, remembering the fun times at the orphanage, playing with the other kids, and of course... Sweet, sweet Miss Heather. It's so precious. Tobias picks up on how sudden the sadness clicks in for Theodore and is trying to talk to him about it. But then the bedroom door opens and it's the Colberts. And they're singing a really nice rendition of the happy birthday song, which I will now be taking over for every birthday going (laughs) forward from today. There we go. It's a great way to prevent being hit with copyright infringement. Gosh, that annoys me. Right? So it's a surprise 
birthday party, they have a cake, they have party hats. But Theo's confused because it's not his birthday. And Mrs. Colbert's like, yeah, dude, then it wouldn't be a surprise, now would it? Touche, Mrs. Colbert. Touche. Yes. Then they cut him a gigantic slice of cake. Huge massive, like, as big as his head. And he's like, uh, I had some Cracker Jacks earlier. I'm good. The Colberts are like, that's fine. We're going out. Goodbye. This was your big surprise. Like, throw him a five-second surprise birthday party on his not birthday. And then, cool, we're going out. Peace out, Brussels sprout. What? To make it even better, Mrs. Colbert tells him that the parents are going out to paint the town red. Foreshadowing. Dun, dun, dun. So they take off. Tobias puts Theo to bed. And I swear. So I used to babysit some kids when I was younger. Um, I would babysit them Every single weekend. And there was four of them. And so I would be there till like two o'clock in the morning because their parents were out at the bar. And I would put the kids to bed. And this felt very similar. They would pepper me with a hundred and one questions. <laughs> one right after the other, right after the other, right after the other. Half because I think that's just something kids do. And the other half because I think they were trying to delay having to go to bed. Uh, so I've got the list of all of Theo's questions here. Oh, boy. How long has Tobias worked for the Colberts? Did his parents work every day like the Colberts? Oh, was he an orphan too? Did he ever get adopted? Does anyone ever call him Toby? Can he call him Toby? Chill pill. Chill pill, Theo. Rain it in. Rain it in. But Tobias is pretty chill about it. He He's like, I have a friend. Yes, it's very cute. And he s- tells Theo that no, no one's ever called him Toby, but Theo is allowed to call him Toby. It's so sadly adorable. It is precious. Toby gets a call from Mrs. Colbert and Theo finally goes to sleep for a few hours. A little after 9 p.m., Theo wakes up to hear the Colberts outside his door being creepy, and Mrs. Colbert mentions how whatever is happening was her plan, and therefore they have to do it her way. She also calls him an orphan delicacy. That's a weird phrase to call your new child. That is. Oh, and she can hear his little heart beating. Yeah, that's not a It's not unsettling at all. (laughs) When they open the door, Theo quickly pretends to be asleep and Mrs. Colbert says she doesn't think she can wait anymore and that when they get home that night, they can tell Theo their secret. Yeah. So then later that night, the door flies open and it's Toby. He's trying to get Theo out before it's too late. But, oh, it's already too late, Toby. You fucked up, Toby. Yep, you done fucked up, Tobes. Because (laughs) Mrs. Colbert is there. And my note is that she looks like a Monster High doll. Okay, so I would describe her as a combination of, like, a little bit of a Monster High, but then as magenta at the end of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, like a combo of those two. Yes. Yes. So Mrs. Colbert is standing there with her makeover and she says, making off with the goods, Tobias. What the fuck does that mean, ma'am? And it is revealed that Toby was being paid in immortality for taking care of Theo. And tonight was supposed to be the night. Real quick, quick question. Do you think being paid with immortality is kind of like being paid with quote unquote exposure? So I really love what we do in the shadows, the TV series and the movie. But yes. 
Yes, in both of them, they have somebody that they've strung along forever with the promise of immortality. If, you know, you just keep picking up my dry cleaning, someday I will make you my immortal. One day, one day it will happen. So Toby's response to immortality at this point is everlasting life. I can't imagine anything more tedious and boring. Burn! Oh, snap. Crackle and pop. While Toby and Mrs. Colbert are having an argument, Mr. Colbert pops up behind Toby and bites him, starts draining him of his blood, while Theo jumps off the side of the staircase and lands on all fours, and that's really impressive. Yeah, because I was, like, I'm not good at estimating, but I would guess 20 feet? Definitely too high for normal. Yeah, because, I mean, they were at the top of the stairs, at the top of the second story, and the landing is tiled. Um, like that real fancy tile. Probably like, some marble. Yeah, yeah. So a very difficult surface. But the whole thing does not phase, or at least the whole jump does not phase. Theo, I almost said Toby. <laughs> um, oh, and by the way, uh, in case we didn't say it, and in case you didn't pick up from the fact that Mr. Colbert bit Toby, the Colberts are vampires. Oh yeah, by the way. <laughs> Here's plot twist number the first. Vampires everywhere. So after Theo lands, he gets up. Lily to the dog is chasing after him. They're outside. They're running around. The Colberts eventually join up for the hunt for Theo, but they seem alarmed for a moment when they realize it's a full moon. But then the running continues. There's a lot of running. Yes. You and I are too old for this shit. Way too old. By the way, the Colberts fly. They do this thing where they, like, spread their vampire cloaks and then they, like, leap off the uh, porch. I-, I don't I don't know. I don't know what a back or front porch is called at a fancy mansion. I'm just going to call it a porch. <laughs> that seems legit. And okay, so they are flying. Yeah. Okay. But they didn't turn into bats. That was a little disappointing. <laughs> bats! <laughs> Sorry, now I really want to watch what we do in the shadows. I might have to do that after you leave right. today. Um. So Theo is starting to struggle as he runs. He, suddenly he's getting out of breath. Suddenly he seems like he's in some pain. He's really, really struggling. And that allows the Colberts to catch up with him. Mrs. Colbert says, if we weren't already dead, Theodore, you'd be the death of us. She would be such a terrible real mom. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Theo stands up suddenly, stating that he knows what secret Miss Hag was keeping from him. He's a werewolf. Specifically, he is a werewolf that hungers for vampires. Yes. So here's the thing. The rest of the episode is Theo eating Mrs. and Mr. Colbert. Yep. But you just said they knew how to fly. Yeah. And you confirmed that they can fly. Why the fuck didn't Mr. Colbert fucking fly? So Miss Colbert gets eaten first. Uh, She's like the appetizer. Mm -hmm. You know, and she's a pretty, uh, she's pretty scrawny. So yeah, yeah, not a lot of meat on the bones there. Mm -hmm. Mr. Colbert looking like a little little thicker, a little juicier. Nice little rump roast there. (laughs) But yeah, why didn't he fly away? That is a really good question. I wonder if they need like a height start because if they came off from the front porch thing. Right. Yeah, they got a little bit of a leap into the air. Or maybe they only get, like, one flight per night. Like, I don't I'm sure there's some vampire rule there. If you're a vampire, please reach out to let us know at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. Or the phone number. That Camp Creep phone number is 661-527-3300. 
1-800-273-7070. So Theo eats the culverts as one does, and then we cut to the orphanage. Yeah, it's the middle of the same night, and there's a loud knock on the door, and Hackstead and Heather come running to get it, and they're scared because it's the middle of the fucking night. They don't want to wake up the house. They open the door, and it's Theo and Lily too, and he has some demands. Yes. By the way, he's also looking very dapper yes. and wealthy. He looks like a little a little yacht owner, like he's about to go out yachting. Yacht, yachting? <laughs> is that That's a word. I'm sure of it. So he announces that he's home. He knows his secret, and that some things around there are going to change. And then it zooms in on his face, and there's an overlay of his werewolf face. Yes. I thought that was pretty cool. And then we get back to the crypt, and the crypt keeper is wearing that raccoon skin cap that Theo constantly wore at night. Well, I'm confused about why he slept in that thing. Does his head get really cold? I mean, if his parents are werewolves, I wonder... Okay. Yeah. Here's a question. Yeah. When werewolf parents have kids, are they giving birth to this child in their werewolf form or in their human form? Because maybe he wears the hat because it reminds him of his mom. Uh, so I would think unless it's a full moon, I'm pretty sure uh, werewolf lore, unless it's full moon, they can't change. So if there was a full moon when Theo's mom happened to give birth, then yes, they would have been werewolves. But we're both of his parents were wolves? Or was it like dad ate mom or mom ate dad and okay so follow up sure yeah in Buffy the Vampire Slayer Oz the werewolf character was able to turn in the middle of the day once when he realized Tara and Willow were dating because Tara smelt like Willow so I would say extreme emotional circumstances like giving birth but the only reason he was able to do that he never did it before is because he went and studied with monks to learn how to control so he did not turn during full moons. So I feel like he it's like a thing of like there was a backup of werewolfiness in him so thus when he was under stress he turned. So, okay. (laughs) We're going deep here. We're deep, we're deep diving. Would you say then that Theo's dad was a monk maybe who was helping somebody like Oz and then he got bit while trying to help him learn some chance meditation, what have you. And then he met a nice woman in the village, and that was his mother. That's quite the reach. <laughs> well, now I can't stop thinking right. about it. So here we are. Here we are. And that's this episode. <laughs> that is the end of season two. Hello there, campers. October may have come and gone, but let's be honest, isn't it always spooky season? Lucky for us, the Picassos are inviting us to the seance with their newest EP and other scary stories. This EP includes a cover of Oingo Boingo's Dead Man's Party, as well as original music by the band, including a song called My Personal Phenomena. The Picassos say that... This song has always required audience participation, and for live events, we get any willing to join us in singing the final chorus. And almost always when performing this song written in my haunted house about the ghosts that may or may not live there, light bulbs have burst, things fall over, and oftentimes you can feel a change in the air. 
You can get a digital copy of and other scary stories at thepicassos.bandcamp.com. They're also streaming on Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud. For more details, check out their Instagram at thepicassos. The Picassos, haunted sounds for haunted people. All right, and it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Who's That Goo? This episode was directed by J. Michael Riva, or Riva, not sure. He was a production designer and art director primarily. This is one of two total directing credits. And as a production designer and art director, he worked on such films as Halloween 2, and I'm talking the OG Halloween 2. Mm. And fun fact, he was briefly engaged to Jamie Lee Curtis in the 80s. Nice. Yes. He also worked on The Goonies, The Color Purple, Lethal Weapon 1, 2, and 4. Don't know what happened that they kicked him off of 3. Mm-hmm. 2000's Charlie's Angels and Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, the movie that really drove home, yes, I am indeed bisexual. <laughs> Iron Man 1 and 2, The Amazing Spider-Man, and Django Unchained. Sadly, he died on June 7th, 2012 in New Orleans at the age of 16. Now, campers, I have it on good understanding that this episode's Who's That Ghoul is a bad time. Okay, there's just a lot of... uh, This is a very death-heavy Who's That Ghoul. I did space them out so every other person is dead, so sorry for that. I did the best I could, so it just wasn't a tiny whip. And up next in Who is Dead Now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. You know, anything with that's heavy on slightly older actors. And frankly, I mean, I don't really see like 50s and 60s as that old, but still. Anywho, Theodore was played by Mike Simran. At the tender age of nine, he made his acting debut in this episode, and then he didn't do much afterwards. Which, Hmm. I mean, we both kind of critiqued his acting in this episode, so not that shocking. Although he did go on to play Leon in the film Munchie, the in-title-only sequel to the horror comedy Munchies. Never heard of this. Never had heard of Munchie. Yeah, apparently it has barely anything to do with the film Munchies. And they literally just took the title and kind of took one of the puppets and altered it and made a sequel. And then did not really acknowledge the previous one. So then we have Miss Hag. I mean, Miss Hagstead. (laughs) Played by Georgianne Johnson. She was an actress of film, TV, and stage whose professional career lasted for 65 years, spanned Broadway, film, soap operas, and more. She started her TV career in the 1950s and eventually landed roles on All My Children as Eugenia Robards number one. Mm. So I'm assuming that means there were many Eugenia Robards. And then on Another World as Ellen Grant. And then she landed the role of Elizabeth Quinn on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Yes. She also did a CBS School Break special. Which one? 
called Dedicated to the One I Love. And it's about a teenage girl who is stunned to discover that her deceased boyfriend was exposed to the AIDS virus. This was 1991, by the way, so, you know, take that with a grain, with a heaping handful of salt. Sadly, Miss Georgian passed away on June 4th, 2018, at the ripe old age of 91. Then we have Miss Colbert. She is played by Grace Zabriskie. She's a poet and silkscreen printer turned actress. Grace started her career in 1978 playing the Widow Cummins in the magical world of Disney flick The Million Dollar Dixie Deliverance, and then she went on to play Mrs. Ames in the East of Eden TV miniseries in the 80s, Theta Bassett on Santa Barbara, one of my favorite roles to pop up on here. She was Grace Poole in Child's Play 2. That makes her Chucky's 10th victim in the franchise as a whole. Hmm. She was the, the social worker that tries to help Andy. Is the second Chucky the one where it's like army camp or no, something? No, that's the third one. I okay. hate the third one. No, that's fair. Um, yeah, this is the one where his mom gets locked in a psych hospital because they think she is mentally unwell because she's, you know, thinks a doll killed all these people. Mm-hmm. And Andy goes into foster care. Aw. Yes. Poor widow Andy. Also, if you're a Twin Peaks fan, our Mrs. Colbert here is the mother to the one and only Laura Palmer. She played Sarah Palmer on Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, and the newer Twin Peaks series. She also played Eva Bates in Fried Green Tomatoes, Emma in the horror film The Grudge. She was Lois Henriksen in Big Love. And finally, for you Netflix zombie fans, who loved the Santa Clarita diet. Man, people were so upset when that got canceled. I'm sorry to say, I couldn't get into it. I love zombies. I love Drew Barrymore. I couldn't get into it. Anywho, she played Mrs. Bakovic on the Santa Clarita diet. But wait. There's more. There's more. She did an ABC after school special. (laughs) What's this one? This one's called One Too Many. Four high school friends find their lives forever changed when one of the friends drives drunk with devastating results. Results. Welp. Yep. Then we have Mr. Colbert, played by William Frankfather. He was a stage-turned-screen actor who got his Masters of Fine Arts from Stanford University. He had a lot of guest roles on a lot of TV shows in the 80s and 90s, but most notably, he played Mr. Franklin in the cult classic film Death Becomes Her. I love that. I swear we had somebody else in a previous episode that was also in Death Becomes Her. But he was also in a CBS School Break special, and this is going to sound familiar. It's the one called Words to Live By. Two teenage boys are suspended from school after (laughs) distributing an underground newspaper on campus. Somebody in the last episode we covered was in that, and somebody from a previous episode was in that. I think they were just went watched that episode and went, yeah, we're just going to cast all of these people. I think what we need to do next is just hunt that one down to watch it right. and be like, and then later in your life, you become this character. Right. So he sadly passed away on December 28th, 1998 at the age of 54. 
Then we have Miss Heather, who's played by Stella Hall. I gotta say, I kept, there were certain angles. I thought several times that she looked like Heather Langenkamp, but that could have been the low quality version that I was watching. <laughs> when I first turned on, I was like, wait, is that Heather? And they're like, oh wait, no, no, it's not. But she did play a stewardess in Freddy's Dead, along with Die Hard. She doesn't have a lot of acting credits. She did play Claire Tennyson on Dynasty. She was Lou Hayward's secretary in the movie Scrooge. And after she played the two stewardess roles, that was it for Little Miss Stella, sadly. She... No, she's alive. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that we know of, she's still alive. She just either stopped getting cast or she left acting behind. She has not come to update her IMDb. Then we have Tobias, who if you are watching along at home, he's going to seem a little familiar. Tobias is played by Larry Drake. Larry Drake is a graduate of Oklahoma University. This Emmy Award-winning actor of stage and film actually started out his college career studying education to become a teacher. Huh. Boy, things changed. He kicked off his film career in 1971 with a film called This Stuff Will Kill Ya. I just wanted to say the name of that film because it sounded fun. And then transitioned into TV in the 80s. Campers with good memories may remember his name all the way back from season one, episode two, as he was Murder Santa in the Tales from the Crypt episode all through the house. Other notable, other notable credits that you may remember from that episode. He was Dr. Giggles himself in the cult horror classic Dr. Giggles. He won two Emmys for his role as Benny Stolwicks on L.A. Law. And he played Robert G. Durant in Darkman 1 and 2. Sadly, as is the trend in this Who's That Cool, Larry Drake passed away on March 17th, 2016 at the age of 66. Now, Camp Counselor Tish. Yes. Would you say that he was naughty or nice? He was actually really nice in this episode. He was. He, he really redeemed himself he from the first did. thing. He was from the crypt. He did. He was really good in this episode. Um, And so that we didn't have to end on a bummer, I went through the credits to try to find anything to fill in Um, so we didn't have to end on, and then he died. <laughs> and this was, a, this was a doozy. So there's a credit for Voice of Werewolf. And I was like, Go on. The voice of the werewolf was provided by Gary Schwartz. Gary Schwartz has voiced various small uncredited roles in Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> he played Bravo Fox in the 80s fever dream that was the show Zoobly Zoo. If you are an elder millennial, you may have some suppressed memories of this bizarre show. People in animal costumes and it was it was weird and unsettling and even as a child I was like this is kind of creepy. Also if you're a fan of the Star Wars Old Republic games you'll recognize that voice as the voice of Gus Tunno in every Star Wars Old Republic game that Gus Tunno is in and he's still alive! Yay! 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 Not everybody died! Woohoo! <laughs> and that is this week's Who's That Ghoul? Huzzah! Well, Camp Counselor Tish. Yes, Camp Counselor Lauren. Here we are, the last episode of season two of Tales from the Crypt. And yeah. I gotta ask, yeah. did you like this episode? I would say... 
Kind of. I Like, the story is a classic, you know, it's very Grimm's fairy tale. So I liked that. Some of the acting was good, some of the acting was terrible. Like I said, Larry Drake was great as Tobias. I would say I give it, like, one and, like, a thumb knuckle up. Several thumbs up, yeah. <laughs> and, Lauren, what about you? So I'm a little torn because I do like this episode in the sense of I liked how many different pieces of fairy tale there were like we had a little bit of Cinderella like this kid is going off to a wonderful place we had a little bit of Hansel and Gretel when it comes to stuffing the child and make it really sweet there's probably like two or three more that I just forgot about during all of this but you know what I mean however there was one really small continuity error that was really getting to me Yeah, what's that? So when we first meet Mr. Colbert for the first few scenes, he has a cane. Mm -hmm. He is walking with the cane. He is actively using his cane. And then of the scene of the surprise, hey, guess what? It's your birthday now. There is no cane in this man's hand. And for some reason, this is really bothering me. So one severed thumb up and one severed thumb down. And also the goddamn blue nighttime editing was awful. That was my least favorite thing about this episode. I could overlook some of, like, you know, the not great acting, but that blue. Mm-hmm. WTF. That was not a good creative choice. I like the idea of, like, definitely making it known that it's nighttime, but that was too dark of a color blue. And again, you could tell that it was sunny in, like, the afternoon, and they just threw blue tint over it. <laughs> like, ick. Mm-hmm. Hate it. Yes. Dislike. All right, campers. Camp Creep Podcast is a Joy Road Media Podcast. Check out the other ones such as The Burt Selleck Show, Great Lakes Confidential, The Truth Cast, You Made Me Watch, and Dead Waves. You can listen to all of those wherever you found this one. If you want to support the show, follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts, and be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and rate us on Spotify. You can find us online at Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Camp Creep Podcast, and on Twitter at Camp Creep Pod, or shoot us an email at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can also now leave us a voicemail at 661-527-3370. And as always, campers, creep it real! real.